It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast. Bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah Utes. Now your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, the Utes get a big victory over San Diego State as a revenge game, and they look ahead for their first Pac-12 game of the season against Arizona State Sun Devils. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. What's up, Ute Nation? And no Scott today on this episode. Scott, Scott, where are you? I was ready to... Hey, we can finally talk. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) I was ready to fire Scott live on the air. Just I was going to pull a Herm Edwards and just do it live in front of everybody here. We should. Even Uh, if if you rescind it next week, you should just do it. Oh, you got... You got to feel bad for Scott. He's stuck on a houseboat again with <laughs> in-laws. We all know how that goes. Those of us who are married, we know how that goes. No comment. <laughs> all right, right. So Utah gets a big victory. I mean, I guess it's big just because they lost to him last week. But Utah go ahead. Utah goes ahead and beats San Diego State 35-7. to before we get into that beat down, there were some changes to Rice Eccles. I think Harlan and the athletic department listened to our podcast, maybe read some emails that people sent over. There were some changes. Yeah, I think uh, there was there was a good response um, from the disaster that was the first game of the season. Um, yeah, we talked about it last week that. Scott and I sent letters to Harlan, and, I, and there was a there was a quite a few people on Twitter that tweeted about their experience, and and uh, they made some changes. I mean, the gate we came in, every gate was manned with a ticket taker, and the scanners worked at least at the gate we used. <laughs> hey, hey, they actually scanned my tickets this week. <laughs> there was no line. We kind of walked right up and in, and that was great. And then the concessions, they uh, it kind of made it a, a serpentine uh, queuing queuing line, and uh, the spanned us. It spanned like two windows, two ca- uh, concession windows, and. You waited in one line, and then the li- the little girls waved their flags when they were available <laughs> to uh, to help you. So I, I thought that worked better, and got in my seat by kickoff, which was fantastic. So yeah, I mean, I think it was awesome that they they listened and they responded. No, definitely, I I, I like the new lines for concessions because um, really, right? It was like hit or miss if you got in a line that would go quick or go slow. Oh, yeah. And, and whereas when, you know, it's just whoever is the first, you know, window open, that's just where you go. It really helps move that crowd. And then without the line going straight back out, 
it made a big difference. It was really easy to move around. You know, I, I when I I walked all the way down to the red zone. We're in the north end zone. I walked all the way down to red zone. You know, towards the south end. Um, and I was walking back. I was kind of walking. I was like, oh yeah, I'm like it's. I'm like it looks it. It's nice that all the lines you know are a little bit more pushed up against the concessions. They're not out. I'm like, but is it really that much of a difference? And I walked past the dip and dots, and they don't have that. Their line still goes it's like the old way, where it still goes straight out. And I ran right into like a brick wall of people for dip and dots. <laughs> Shoot! So I mean, definitely what they're still doing some work to do. Still some yeah. work, but I mean, definitely you know, drilling holes into the concrete, putting those poles in, a big step. If yeah, Scott, definitely. If Scott was here, he would say they still need to bring the cannon back. Which I completely agree with. Scott Scott missed the game. He left over the weekend for glorious low water Lake Powell. But, uh, um, so he missed the game. He missed the concessions. He'll just have to take our word for it. And, but, you know, it was very similar to, I don't know if you remember last year when we went down to Vegas for the Pac-12 game, the Allegiant Stadium was doing very similar concession lines mm-hmm. um, where it's just one line and you just wait your turn and it it works it works a lot better. So glad they did it. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're a step in the right direction. You know, again, some, some things they can do would be great to have more TVs out there. So people, you can kind of see what's going on while while you're in the concession area. Uh, but a big improvement. Uh, Completely agree. I think, I mean, I think Scott would say this if he was here. He actually got a response, not from Harlan for his letter. I think one of the associate ABs who said they, they were working on getting TVs uh, either in the concourse or concession lines for those that are, you know, have to leave the game for, for whatever reason, and they can still catch what's going on. So hopefully that's the case. And that's a, that'll be an improvement in the future as well. Yeah. Big time. All right. So let's get into this. Utah beat San Diego state 35 to seven. Ah, Utah. So close to the shutout. <laughs> also so close. A, a, a muffed punt. <laughs> Did them in special teams. Special teams did it again for them. Uh, Ryan, overall thought, overall thoughts from the game. Overall thoughts, obviously, it's a great win. They did what they needed to do. I, I honestly, I was, a, I thought that we would score more points offensively, and had we not gotten off to such a horrible slow start in the first quarter again, much like last week. Uh, I think obviously they want to put more points on the board, but 35 seven is a convincing win. Um, when they finally, you know, turned it on and figured a few things out, they pretty much scored at will in the second and, and half the third quarter until they decided, yep, that's enough to call off the dogs. But def- defensively, I was very pleased. I mean, they put, you know, like you said, they pitched a shutout uh, outside of the, the short field they were given late in the fourth quarter. So I think the defense made some significant improvements, I think. You know, for me, the worrisome is that's two games in a row where that first quarter, the offense just is struggling out of the gate. 
Whip kind of addressed that a little bit in his presser today and said they might do a few things this week to try to change that up. I mean, I don't know what you do to change that up, but uh, maybe they come out with a little more intensity. Because once you get into into conference play, um, you know, against USC, against Oregon, I mean, Washington State's playing well, Oregon State's playing well. Uh, you're going to have to put some points on the board. You, you can't just wait, you know, a quarter and a half to turn it on. You got to you got to play the full 60 minutes. Yeah. And it, it's weird because you think about last year, remember Utah kept wanting the ball to start the game because they knew that their offense was clicking at a, such a high level mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. at the beginning of the game, they wanted the ball because they were going to that first possession. They were going to march down and score. Uh, and it's and they too, did a lot of times. Yeah, no, they did. That's what I said. They, they, I mean, they was clicking. They were rooming. And I'm not knocking on them uh, for trying to do it again this year. Uh, it it just seems like their offense is it, it's not quite there yet. And it's it's almost yeah yeah. Like I said, it takes a, it takes a couple series for it to kind of kind of click. And I mean, it didn't help that the rushing game was not there at all against San Diego State. Uh, which which was surprised me because in games one and two, I mean, you can kind of throw game two out the window. It's mm-hmm. a lesser opponent, but even in Florida with those bigger linemen, I mean, we ran the ball at will, especially in the second half. And I was kind of surprised that San Diego state uh, did some things to slow that down. Yeah. Well, it seemed like the offensive line really struggled mm-hmm. um, in, in the rushing game. And, uh, you know, Tavian Thomas led the team in rushing with 59 yards on 16 carries, but, but really, like out outside of that, I mean, um, you know, rising. Yeah, he had one. He had one uh, bootleg run. It was, you know, 15, 20 yards. Picked up a first down. Bernard had one long run, but out, outside of that, it was just not much going in the in the run game. No, and that's definitely something they're going to have to clean up, especially going in into Pac-12 play. Because uh, even a team like Arizona State, who you know, and we'll get into Arizona, you know, you you can't be that one-dimensional in this league, uh, and, and especially with well, how Utah's offense is built, they're a power run team. They they need that that rushing attack from the get-go. Um, and so, well, you know, it's it's great Utah put up 35 points. They, you know, a lot of good things um, happened in this game. And still that rushing attack, starting off a little bit slow, uh, you know, has me a little bit worried. Uh, but it was great to see the wide receivers get the ball. I know that's something you, Scott, and myself, we have harped in the first two um, games this week, is is the lack of wide receiver play. And it really seemed like that was an emphasis, maybe this game. You know, Vele comes with two touchdowns, um, on just beautiful catches there. Uh, Solomon Enos cam had a touchdown. You know, those are the types of plays uh, that Utah's going to need, especially when they're yeah. in Pac-12 play. They're going to need those guys because that's going to only going to make Keithy and Kincaid that much better when you can start spreading the ball around like they did against San Diego State. Oh, for sure. And I mean, we, you know, we harped on it, as you said, last week and then in the stadium, we were harping on it for the first quarter, too, because really, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, I think Rising started out four of 11 
passing in that first quarter or first part of the game. And um, most of those 11 targets were to Keithy. And I'm like, come on, get the other guys involved. Um, and, you know, and eventually they they did. And once they started spreading the ball around, I mean, they could do whatever they wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I think and you're right. It just completely opens up the entire offense if you're able to move the ball around and get everybody involved and then what happens later in the game keithy's wide open for a touchdown down the seam so it's just i mean if they just listen to us come on <laughs> yeah they just, i mean harlan's <laughs> listening I and mean, we're making changes there we got someone's got to get this podcast in wits here come on uh you know going back to the, the rushing attack you know this the wide receiver running backs as a whole, you know, I a big kudos shout out to Thomas. Um, I think you know a lot of you fans know that he his aunt had passed away, uh, who was very much like a mother figure to him, um, really raised him, and for him to kind of go through that personally and have that option to sit out or play, and and him wanting to play, uh, to, you know, kind of speaks volumes to his character and his commitment to the team. Uh, and maybe, you know, playing a football game when you're going through something like that personally kind of helps, um, kind of helps you deal with it, right? Kind of takes you out mm-hmm. of reality uh, for a few hours and kind of puts you in, yeah. in kind of like that, that's that routine, I guess you want to say, you know, keep, keep mm-hmm. your mind and body in that routine. Um, but really, you know, I, I not a spectacular game, 16 carries, 59 yards for him and the TD. Um, but just the fact that he's out there doing against and against, you know, a lower opponent like San Diego State uh, speaks volumes to him. Uh, but the big news out of the running back room, Chris Curry, one carry for eight yards. And unfortunately, looks like Chris is done for the year. Uh, and yeah, that's it, too bad. It's sad because in, in the limited action that we've seen this year it it seemed like he was he had progressed a lot since last year when he came into the program and yeah you know, he was that number three back um really solidifying that that spot and in, in one carry uh he has an ankle injury and he is going to be done for the rest of the year uh so it I guess that means more Jalen Glover. It's it's Jalen's time to, to kind of step yeah, up and take I mean, that what, role. So, you know, that's what those players and that you know the the team preaches. You got a next man up kind of mentality. It, it really is too bad. I think Whittingham had a lot of praise for Curry in fall camp and you know kind of what he did to get ready for this season and and was showing well and producing when his number was called and it's just unfortunate, but. You know, he still has his red shirt year and so likely we'll be back next year. But yeah, you're right. Uh it gives uh Glover some more opportunity, um, which I think will be huge, you know, down the road because who's who I mean, who's to say that there's not gonna be more injuries? It's football. It's it's bound to happen. So um the more the more reps some of these guys can get will be will pay dividends down the line. Well, and and you speak about injuries. I don't know if you caught Whittingham's uh, 
post game uh, comments, but he he talked about Bernard is, is suffering through some things where he keeps cramping up. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, and it's which crazy. is weird. They they said it was not dehydration. Yeah, um, they just can't figure out what what's causing. Yeah, it. yeah I guess they've been running some tests. That they can't figure out what it is. Um, and so that actually kind of I think explains a lot why his carry load isn't as high as what I was kind of expecting going into the season, mm-hmm. right? Like, obviously, you know, Tavion Thomas was going to be your feature back who's going to get the majority. Um, but I, I, I had been surprised at the, the limited carries for Bernard uh, thus far speaks to the volumes of what's going on there. But to your point, Ryan, now, you know, Jalen Glover, true freshman, looks great, um, looks the part. Mm-hmm. But I, I think Utah's going to have to rely on him, and, and especially if Thomas can't get his fumbles under control. I know he did a lot better uh, this past week, but I don't know. We might be seeing more more Jalen as we move forward this season. Yeah, and there was talk about uh, you know who they take as that fourth running back on this road trip. It was I think they made mention that it could be either that Charlie Vincent or Ricky Parks, which uh, you know Ricky Parks. Had a lot of Ooh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, Ricky so. Parts had a lot of pub coming in last year when he was getting recruited. So you know, it gives a chance for one of those younger guys to get some action and um, next man up. But uh, yeah, it's too bad for Curry. Wish wish that was played out differently. All right, I'll kind of do our thoughts as far as the offensive side. Let's move over to the defense. Uh, we got to a quick break when we come back. We'll hit up the defense for the Utes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so the defense has a, has a great game against San Diego State. Holds them to seven. Again, you know, that seven kind of came off of a muff punt there. And it was, you know, a lot of third and fourth string guys uh, that San Diego State got their touchdown on. Uh, but really, I think one thing that, you know, uh, we have on the podcast kind of been talking about is that front seven uh, for, for Utah, and especially that defensive line, mm-hmm. kind of being a little disappointment. I think this was their best game, and, and I'm hoping it's kind of their coming out party for the rest of the season because they were living in that backfield all night long. That was great to see that performance from that D-line. Yeah, they they kind of imposed their will on San Diego State's offensive line. Quarterbacks got hit several times. 
think one of them left injured at least for a period of time. Yeah, no, they 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 knocked Burnmeister out of the game. Knocked the quarterbacks out. Uh, you know, shut them down, knocked them around, really shut down the running game as, you know, as a whole. Um, and which you know, like you like you had mentioned, that we really hadn't seen. Um, you know that that uh, what they were capable of in the first couple of games, uh, they just weren't getting the push or closing the the gaps as much as we you know as, ty- as typically as we typically see from Utah football. Um, I think part of that is probably the linebackers um, having you know more experience, uh, understanding where they're supposed to be, which gaps they're supposed to fill. Um, but really the, the line and the ends did a great job of creating pressure back there. Oh, and the thing that I loved, I was watching the ends, um, and a couple of those RPOs, they stayed with the quarterback. And remember mm-hmm. that was one thing we harped on when the Florida games, they just kept diving on the running back. You can to- totally see that they, areas that they've been working on, mm-hmm. uh, we saw a lot of Gabe Reed, which was Great to see him get some reps. You know, the transfer from, yep. from Stanford. Uh, Connor O'Toole got a lot of good reps. Um, John then, Ellis was in there. I mean, Fillinger finally showed up, too. Yeah, Fillinger had a great game. Probably his, his best game of the season. You know, had one and a half sacks. So they were missing Diabate at, at linebacker. And so Lander Barton, his name got called on to, to you know, start in. in for Diabate and you know Whittingham even said at his Monday presser that Lander Barton's going to be the face of this defense moving forward. Can you imagine a, a true freshman and having that said about you? That the dude third, is an athlete. Third collegiate game. I know. That's awesome. It's awesome for Utah football. Awesome for him. And he, you know, he had a good game. He had, uh, had that one blitz that caused, I think, a turnover. I think they were going for. I want to say they were going for it on fourth down, and he made them throw it away and turn the ball over. And then Kareni Reed had that interception. So you know the linebacker play was good, even though Dubate wasn't there. So kind of looking at that defensive hole, is there one guy maybe that's just standing out to you right now, Ryan? Like, there's this one stud that that you think fans got to keep watching the rest of the season. I probably am going to go with the, just the defensive line, a couple of guys in the defensive line. I think from what we saw at the end of last year with Fillinger and what he's capable of doing. And at the end of last year, he, he did some really nice things uh, just creating pressure. And we hadn't seen that so much in the first couple of games. I think we, we kind of, he's kind of getting back to that after what we saw. So if he can kind of keep growing, I think that, he, that what he does is going to be huge. And I also think the interior, I think, you know, Junior Tafuna, um, especially, get those, get the push up front and, uh, you know, close those running lanes. I think it's going to be huge because we're going to go up against some offenses that can move the ball and put some points on the board. So that front seven's got to got to come together. Yeah, that's definitely who I was thinking of as Junior Tafuna. It really seemed like, again, like this was 
this game was so impressive by the defensive line, especially because you know San Diego State is a running team. That's what they want to mm-hmm. do. And Utah completely took that away. And it, it was the it was the front seven that did it and that defensive line and, and Junior Tafuna, you know, a, a guy who who did it, you know, in in, in last season kind of came onto the scene, was a little, you know, with that other front with the rest of the front seven kind of disappearing in the first two games, uh really came out, you know, Whittingham was singing his praises after the game. And then you gotta give it up for Cole Bishop. Led the oh, team yeah, in tackles sure. again. That kid is just. How did I forget about that kid? I even just, have a T-shirt with his name on the back. <laughs> he's just all over the place. I mean, he kind of is, you know, midway through that game, he kind of started reminding me of Devin Lloyd. And what I mean by that is, Devin Lloyd's last season, he was just doing so much. It kind of went under the radar because it was just kind of the ex- what you expected out of him, right? Mm-hmm. And. And I kind of, I kind of get the feeling that Cole Bishop is, you know, as young as he is, he's starting to kind of get, kind of get that same kind of feel from me, where he's just all over the place. He keeps leading the team in tackles. Yeah, he, he, you get the feeling he, he studies film a ton and knows where he, you know, he just knows where he needs to be, and he's, and he, he's always where he needs to be. Yeah, and and I think that's why he kind of maybe run, flies under the radar. Um, it's just because he's just like always there, and so you just at this point, as I mean, he, this is only a second year, mm-hmm. and and it's, it, and he missed quite a bit of time last year because of injury, and he's he's already getting that praise, he's already getting to that that kind of status where now it's almost like expected, um, and. As long as as young as this defense is, if it keeps going the way it is, you know, from this, from what we saw in game one to now this game in day game three, I think the sky's the limit for them. And as young as they are, they're going to continue to grow, continue to develop under this structure, this defense that Winningham has established, that Scally has has continued um, to coach under. I'm excited. I'm so excited Definitely. for this defense see where it goes. Not to kind of turn and be negative so much about it, but I was, they, you know, they threw out that depth chart today. And I took a look at it. And again, depth, you know, winning hands depth charts aren't, you just take it with a grain of salt. You never know how accurate they are. But to start the season, Tennessee Pututau was the starting right tackle. Now he's not even on the 2D. Mamahi is overtaken it, and Kafusi's his backup. Kind of surprised me that Hututau isn't uh, isn't on the 2D anymore. I mean, I think it kind of just goes to show that you have to produce at this level. Oh, for sure. And nothing yeah. is guaranteed. And just because you're the starter in, in spring camp and fall and then game one, it, it doesn't mean that you're you're penciled in or you're for the rest of the season at, at number one. Yeah, maybe maybe the coaches saw something and said, "Hey, you know, this, you know, we're not getting the push we need. We're not getting the stops we need. Let's let's see. Who, let's put somebody out there who can." He seems to be the odd man out at the moment. <laughs> kind of like Scott. <laughs> Scott was number one, and now he's number three. 
Nice. No, that's a great observation, Ryan. And really, I think something that we'll want to keep an eye on with this defense as it moves forward, as these young guys continue to produce, as they, you know, start deserving those reps and kind of see where this goes. Because, I mean, you look at the edges with Allison Fillinger, you know, Connor O'Toole, he's, he's pushing for more reps. He's pushing them for playing time. And that's what oh, you want. Sure. So is Gabe Reed. So. Yeah, Gabe Reed, a phenomenal game. And I mean, that's what you want in a program, right? You want the twos and the threes pushing your ones. That's mm-hmm. how you get better. And that, like what we talked about with running backs, injuries are going to happen, right? And so you need that depth. You need that uh, talent to continue to develop uh, game over game and year over year. All right, so that'll do it for our thoughts on this game and, and really, you know, our thoughts on, on, on Rice Echo Stadium as it's, you know, improving, getting better. They still need to get rid of the whole way they light the cauldron. It's a little oh, too Mickey Mouse awful. for me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, we'd love to know what, you know, your thoughts on the game and, 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 and especially players through, you know, now that the non-conference is over, what players are standing out to you? You can always hit us up on Twitter at Utah Man Podcast. And we're up against a break. When we come back, we'll dive into the Sun Devils. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Utah's traveling down to Tempe to take on the Sun Devils of Arizona State. The coachless Sun Devils (laughs) of Arizona State. I want to know who's had a worse weekend, Herm Edwards getting fired or Scott stuck on a houseboat with (laughs) in-laws. I'm going to pick. It's a a toss-up. I would rather be Herm. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Uh, The funny thing is, I mean, you know, I will never know exactly when the firing happened, but there's that video of him coming off the field after losing to Eastern Michigan. Oh, you know it happened on the field. Talking to the AD, like, yeah, that sucked. You're done. (laughs) You can almost like read his lips like he's like you gotta be kidding me or something like that <laughs> and then they he put i don't know who they are but he kind of puts his arm around herm and herm kind of steps back and then they they walk off not a, not a pretty picture um but i think we all saw this happening i think the day they hired herm edwards oh for sure and it should have happened before now i mean with all of the crap that's going on with the program Oh, um, oh yeah. We, we're, I don't even. I'm not even talking about the scandal stuff. We'll get into that. But even just the whole, 
What what did he call himself? Like the CEO? The CEO. He wasn't yes. the head coach. He was the CEO. He he flat out said he didn't like recruiting. The day he was hired, he didn't even know uh their sim like the fork forks up thing. He didn't <laughs> he didn't know what that was. And so this the day one, I think, was completely awkward for him. Yeah, I think he he could he didn't want to be he didn't. It probably at his age and the point of his career, he didn't want to get into everything that is that goes into being a college football coach. And that's why I think he said I, he was going to be the CEO and kind of sit back and oversee everything. <laughs> well, that didn't work out so well, it did it? Work. Just to kind of recap, they are under investigation for recruiting violations and then really stemming uh, during COVID when recruits were not allowed on campus and especially for official visits. Right. Uh, and you know, it kind of came out that Arizona state may or may not have had recruits on campus during that time. Uh, but and it may involve uh, a, a mother of a quarterback who no longer plays for that team. Who was paying for everyone's airline tickets on her credit card. I don't know how my credit card got down there. Oh, my credit card got stolen. It's a uh, mystery. But I mean, we over the years, we I think everyone's we've kind of heard little things kind of going on, some recruiting happening over the years. I think it finally got finally is catching up, and they're not producing. And that's the other thing. I think in college football, right, administrators will li- give coaches a lot of leeway if they're winning. And Herm just wasn't winning at, at Arizona State. Yeah, I mean, when you got when you're failing in those two major areas, you're you're not long for that position. Um, and the the interesting thing is, you know, I think we all know that last year or in the off season, they they got rid of a few coaches as quote unquote scapegoats oh, for yep. the investigation. Um to make it look like they were trying to rid the program of the problem people. Um, but, uh, but really now that you got rid of those coaches, now he's gone. You really, who, who's left to coach him? I mean, I know they promoted the running backs coach to interim head coach for the rest of the year, but honestly, if you're going from running backs coach to interim head coach, it's not even like they didn't even give the offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator <laughs> the job. I mean, you're going down to the running backs coach. Yeah, it's that cupboard's bare there. It, it's it's not it, it it's definitely not good. Um, there's there's been some interesting talk. We're recording this on Monday, and there's been some some interesting talk today that there may be some more sanctions and news coming that Arizona state had found out about. And that's why they're making the change. They are now and promoting who they promoted. Well, I guess that could make sense. So, cause if some of those other coaches are involved, then that and just and makes them all, even look worse. And that's all hearsay, right? I mean, no one really knows, but it's just, it's interesting that it was three games in and this is when they do it right before they go into, yeah. into conference play, you know, not let him, kind of write out. I mean, and as much as we're knocking on Herm Edwards, he was a player's coach. 
You know, it wasn't like the locker room was against him. You know, everything that, at least that we know, you know, being as far away as we are from from Arizona State, there wasn't problems in the locker room with Herm. He was well-liked. Recruits liked him. I know mothers liked the coaching staff very well. (laughs) That's why I think a lot of speculation is why it happened today is there's some some additional details that that maybe Arizona State found out the NCAA is aware of. Uh, But we look at this Arizona State team. Their only win on the season is against Northern Arizona, uh, 40 to three. Uh, they lost to Oklahoma State, you know, at Oklahoma State. Um, I think that which the, is a tough place to play. No, definitely a tough, tough game to lose. But this past week, they they drop a game to Eastern Michigan, 30 to 21. Yeah, that's something that should never happen. No, and I mean that's a not only is that look bad for Arizona State, but that's not a that is a terrible loss for the conference. Something especially that, at home. Home, even on the road, Pac-12 <laughs> teams can't—they can't lose these games anymore. It's—it's it's, it's games like that that is taking credibility away from this conference. The Pac-12 has actually done a pretty good year this year until a- ASU got involved and Colorado. And Colorado, oh my gosh! I'm—I'm I'm actually surprised Carl Durrell still has a job. Well. <laughs> Do we, should we get into that? The AD released a, a letter of support, which is really a letter of we're starting to think about it. Yeah. Like your head's on the chopping block. It's just a matter of time. Uh, but when we look at this Arizona State team, uh, you know, they you know, they looked like they were growing into something, right? You had Jalen Daniels as your quarterback. Uh, you had White as, as a great running back. And you're really growing something. And for whatever reason, scandals, coaching staff changes, everything blew up this offseason. They all transfer out. You know, they hit the the transfer portal and they get the Emory Jones um, from Florida, who's been starting quarterback for him the last three games. He's a quarterback, talented with his legs. I don't know if he's going to beat you with his arm. And, and I really think that's where Utah is really on their defense, they're going to try to make him beat Utah's defense through the air. Sounds like a clone of Jaden Daniels then. But he's just, from what I've read, what I've heard on different podcasts, on on different radio stations, he's not as good as Jaden Daniels. Which bodes well for us. Yes. I mean, if you think about it, Utah, remember last last year, Utah went on a 28-0 run. Um, to kind of lay down the smackdown on Arizona State. If if they're very similar in, to, in style to Jaden Daniel, and he's maybe less of an athlete or less of a passer, I mean, that was the Utah's MO every time they played Daniels was make him throw the ball, contain him mm-hmm. in the run game and make him throw the ball, and he couldn't beat you in the throw game. I think that's probably a similar game plan as what we'll see on Saturday. No, I, I definitely agree with you, and I think that's why it was so important this past this past week for the front seven to get to get to the start and, and game that they had is because they're going to need that against a team like Arizona State. And I know we're we're cracking fun of them; they're they're kind of down. They are a 
they are a P5 program, right? They, oh, they sure. do have, they've got athletes. They have good athletes. They've recruited well over the years. And, you know, there's been a lot of head to heads with Utah on recruits. And I think that's kind of where a lot of this kind of bad, bad blood and rivalry that's developed over the years with the Arizona State has, has really stemmed from is the recruiting trail. I, I think that's another reason why I, I, I'm so excited the way that the front seven played against San Diego State is because they're going to need a performance like that and maybe even a little bit better because we're going against better competition. But that's where they're going to need against Arizona State. I don't think the corners and safeties are going to get tested that that much um, against against Jones and, and Arizona mm-hmm. State's offense. It's really going to be, can Utah's defense stop that rushing attack? Can they keep Jones in the pocket, not let him beat Utah with his feet? And unless Utah walks down, walks into that stadium with a, a big head thinking they just need to show up, they should take care of business and take care of business pretty easily. Oh, and hopefully Utah does gets starts off fast, right? I, yeah, absolutely. I don't, I don't want to see a zero-zero score at the end of the first quarter. Utah even down in the first quarter. Now, we're, now that Utah's in conference play, now it's time. You know, the whole the whole mantra of all gas, no break mentality really needs to hit this team. Yeah, and a team like that, a team that's going through some turmoil like ASU, if you come out and jump out to a, you know, 10 nothing, 14 nothing lead, it's going to, it's just going to demoralize them and, and uh, really make them stop playing. Yeah, make them quit, right? Make them quit. Yep. All right, before we kind of wrap up our show and, and give our predictions for the Utah game, let's just quickly, you know, take a, a quick look at the Pac-12, the Conference of Champions, as, you know, the, the games that happened this weekend. Washington gets a big win over ranked Michigan State. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big win. I, was, I, I actually don't know that much about Washington this year because they had such an awful year last year. Um, so that, that was a good win for the conference for sure. And then Oregon putting the beat down on BYU. That was great to see. Thank Fantastic. you, Ducks. Fantastic. That, that pot of four in the Northwest, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, Washington, I think they're legit. Yeah, they are. 11-1 and one out of the four of them. Big wins. Michigan State. And we State, play all of Wisconsin. them but Washington. Yeah. It's, I, I think a lot of people wrote off Washington State and – you know, Oregon State has kind of been kind of that cutesy team that it's kind of fun to cheer for because they, you know, they might do it. They, but they're really an underdog. I don't know. They they may have made that jump, um, but that four that four pod will be really really fun to watch. UCLA they get the win over South <laughs> Alabama by Barely. one. Oh my goodness. Had their kicker missed that field goal, they would have lost <laughs> at home to a packed house. <laughs> Not really. Put aside the game for a second. It's UCLA. It's the Rose Bowl. And it is empty. It's unbelievable that nobody wants to come watch them play. I know they're not that great, but still. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on. They don't have a fan base anymore. Uh, it's going to be interesting their move to the Big Ten uh, and what that program does in the future. 
But yeah, a one-point win over South Alabama where you need to make a field goal to win of the game is not not pretty, my friend. I kind of I was flipping through channels and happened to come across that as he kicked that game-winning field goal and you know, kickers are kickers, but uh he was going nuts like he just won the Super Bowl and the team was running around the field like they just it was, it was weird. I mean, you I get it, the excitement last second you won it shouldn't have been that close. It's South Alabama. Well, and Arizona squeaks by by three against North Dakota State. And hey, North Dakota State is a good program. Nothing, yeah. you know, nothing but respect for what they're doing. We saw that a few years ago when they came here. But a P5 program, you, just, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You, you can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and especially as this conference, when they want that respect, when you struggle against FCS opponents, lower division opponents, it just it does not look good. And then, as we mentioned, Eastern Washington beating Arizona State. What what what's happened to Chip Kelly? I mean, when he was in Oregon, he was on top of the world, like vying for the playoffs year in and year out, and goes to the pros, flops comes back to college and you'd think he'd be able to do similar stuff with the talent that you can recruit at UCLA. Oh, the resources they have at UCLA is endless. It's, you know, I, I, we hear a lot about that teams that just figured out his offense. Um, yeah, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, but man, Oh, how the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) All right, so Utah takes on Arizona State this weekend. Uh, right now, Utah is you know about 14, 15-point favorite um, against the Sun Devils. Who do you got in this, and what's your score? Definitely going with my Utes, and I think, the, and I think they do it quite handily, uh, 31 to 10. You know, I like the way you're thinking, right? I think I got Utah 31-14. You know, as, as long as Utah kind of keeps that ground con, that ground attack for Arizona State in check, I think it's going to be a long day for the Sun Devils. And hopefully Utah you know, starts off conference right with a win over a conference foe. Ryan Burr, can people find you on Twitter? At Drum and Feather. That's Drum, the letter N, Feather. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Utah Man Podcast and our home, utahmanpodcast.com. You can listen to us anywhere you get Anywhere you get to a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, we are there. And hopefully Utah gets a big victory over the Sun Devils. And go Utes. Go Utes. We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.